This, 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 this show is brought to you by Safety FM. And from the border of liberty and prosperity and the highway to the north, this is Safety Wars for Thursday, December 15th. 2022. I'm your host, Jim Poles. Pure, humble, safety. How you doing out there tonight? Oh, we covered a lot of territory on yesterday's program. Uh, just remember that we are available for download on most of your podcast net, uh, platforms under the moniker Safety. So uh, that's where we release our podcasts and this program. As always, growing, I appreciate. I appreciate the uh, support. Encouragement, the coaching, and everything else that goes into it. It's helping me become a better person, better communicator, better whatever, whatever we call it. So, the false consensus effect. We talked a little bit about that last night. And this is the whole thing. Right? As a review, it's a cognitive bias that causes people to overestimate how much others are like them in terms of sharing things such as their beliefs, values, characteristics, experiences, and behavior. Now, we get into this all the time at work, right? Especially as safety professionals. Let's face it, a lot of us were nerds. Or if we didn't start out that way, we became one. With all the facts and figures and everything else that goes in there. We like to think that people value human life. And that's a universal value. We're working to value human life. I'm going to tell you that's not true. There's a lot of people who do not value human life. Whether it's they don't like you because of your race. They don't value human life based on race, religion, socioeconomics. Those... uh, it's like uh, the uh, book that we're all familiar with, uh, Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol. If we ever uh, remember uh, seeing any of the many incarnations in the movie, if we didn't read the book, it was about poor people. It was about how the rich treated the poor. And Charles Dickens was a very progressive activist for his day with that. And that's... What my whole point of bringing this out at as it has wide ranging ranging applications. Uh, we've so, for example, we had to hear about it for years with uh, uh, politics. Well, I see uh, this candidate having all this activity, all this, all that, and I, no, when I was involved in politics, there were some candidates that had zero uh, campaigns. They're incumbents. They had zero campaigns. Didn't matter whether they were Democrat or Republican or something else. Guess what? They got reelected while uh, the opponents are out there knocking on doors, which we don't do anymore. Uh, no, nope. getting the word out there, meeting the voters, and everything else. So you always end up winning, uh, losing. And they'll be like, well, where the hell is all these people that were going to support us? Well, guess what? They, they were either being nice or there wasn't enough of them, or you thought that everybody thought the way you did and it didn't work that way. How does that work with safety? Me, I value human life, right? That's the way I am. If you could say one thing about me, I value human life. How, how do you handle a client, a coworker, that says things along the lines of, Jim, and this is a direct quote, I don't give a flying shit if the people fall off the building. I don't care. I don't care about them. Yeah, we'll be upset for a couple of minutes. Yeah, now I'll have to file more paperwork, but guess what? I'm just going to go along and do the job. It's almost verbatim the kinds of comments that I always used to get. Now things have changed a little bit, but you know that in the background that that's often what the uh, 
No, that's often what the uh, people have in the back of their mind, this false consensus. And it, uh, also, no, it leads to a lot of conflict on that. And you have to figure out ways of managing that. Uh, again, being the safety professional, you're not the one that's going to be doing the hiring, the firing, or the interviewing, or even disciplining 99% of the time. And you have to work within this framework. Well, what what if the uh, employer likes, your workplace likes a certain person because they're a big producer and they have that attitude? Well, guess what? Eventually, it's going to catch up to them. And God forbid... You're the one that has to pay the bill, right? Either politically, financially, or anything with it. That being said, right, for the eighth time, this is right from the Department of Labor. I'm not going to, as usual, I do not mention uh, company names uh, uh, usually. And uh, no, they're. and these are right out of the work, uh, the uh, press releases from OSHA. I'm trying to get my mind together here. For the eighth time since 2016, federal safety inspectors found the owner of a certain roofing company in Ohio uh, exposing roofers and other workers to the construction industry's leading cause of death, falls from elevation, by failing to provide them with fall protection, equipment, and hazard training. So this would be a... Uh, severe violator uh, thing that we were talking about yesterday. Uh, Altogether, a certain roofing company and owner now face $300,144 in penalties after a U.S. Department of Labor OSHA inspector observed eight employees working at heights of up to 20 feet without fall protection while atop a residence on my father's birthday, June 22nd, 2022. I knew where I was doing that day. I was at a funeral, at his funeral. Following the June inspection, the agency cited the contractor for five violations, three willful, one repeat, one serious, for exposing workers to fall hazards, failing to use ladders correctly, lacking an accident prevention program, failing to provide training on ladder usage and fall hazards, and failing to provide eye protection. This roofing company shows a callous disregard for the safety and well-being of its workers and continues to expose them to risks of serious, debilitating, and potentially fatal fall injuries, said Area Director Todd Jensen in Toledo, Ohio. Holy Toledo, right? This employer, name what movie that was from. Old expression, right? This employer and others who continually put the people in jeopardy can face our full legal powers to hold them accountable. The BLS reports that 1,008 construction workers died on the job in 2020 with 350 of those fatalities related to falls from elevation. And going on and on, and OSHA has resources for this. So this is one of those workplaces where they really don't give a groove no about what goes on, apparently, uh, according to this article. Uh, I don't, uh, or this press release from OSHA, and remember, everybody is proven guilty till innocent, and these things get negotiated down. But uh, eight times since 2016. Pardon me. Where can you find information on this? Let's say you're going, and this is what I cover in my, uh, when I'm teaching uh, uh, open enrollment or at a, uh, in a university statement uh, setting, the uh, outreach training. You're going to hire, going to apply for a job somewhere. Always a good idea to check out the establishment search on OSHA. Uh, no, whether you're going to be in a safety role or any other role, because do you really want to work for a company that's unsafe? Really, most employees don't, but there are some employees that really say, "Hey, they're paying. I got the job." And a lot of times, companies like this prey upon underprivileged, uh, uh, underrepresented. Uh, at-risk communities, however we're going to uh, describe them because they can't find jobs anywhere else because of either cr- uh, criminal uh, uh, records. That's one. Uh, I, I know of a couple of companies that uh, go where criminals are and say, you want to work here? We well, can work for free. I'll work for under the table. 
you know, you could do, uh, you could work for us, and you know, they're gaining something. They have to have a job for uh, uh, if they're on probation, for example, and things of that nature. And those are the kinds of communities that I, for whatever reason, I kind of like specialize in doing training for them through the university that I work for. And also uh, uh, other groups where we do training for at-risk communities. So uh, give us a call, uh, 845-269-5772, or email us at jim at safetywords.com, and we could go and uh, hook you up with some training classes. This is from uh, FEMA. Hurricane Ian flood insurance payments surpassed $1 billion. FEMA encourages policyholders to take advantage of extended grace period. More than uh, $1.2 billion has gone into national flood insurance policyholders to help their Hurricane Ian recovery, with 46,000 policyholders having filed claims following the storm's landfall. More than $237 million of those dollars were in the form of advance payments where policyholders can receive up to $20,000 after filing a claim. It goes on and on and on. Uh, they extended the grace period to renew one's policy from 30 to 90 days for certain Florida policyholders. Going on and on. So uh, if uh, just check out the FEMA.gov website, see if you're eligible or you would want to uh, want these loans. Uh, I think the interest rate is probably going to be okay compared to the interest rate everywhere else. EPA, this is from the EPA from yesterday. EPA selects 29 organizations to receive first brownfields job training grants funded by the bipartisan infrastructure law, boosting workforce training in underserved, overburdened communities. Today, the U.S. EPA announced the selection of 29 organizations to receive a total of more than $14 million in grants funded through President Biden's bipartisan infrastructure law for environmental job training programs across the country. The grants through EPA's Roundfield Jobs Training Program will recruit, train, and place workers for community revitalization and uh, cleanup projects. Uh, I hope my university gets those. Where, where, where are they uh, looking at doing stuff, right? Lead and asbestos abatement, hazardous waste operations and emergency response, mold remediation, environmental sampling and testing, and other environmental safety training. Uh, I'm looking at the list of companies, and they seem to be in major metropolitan areas uh, throughout the country. So, I'm going to save that one. Give me a second here. Do, do, do. Okay. We're going to move over. Uh, you know, I kind of have to be more consistent here with what I am doing. We're going to, it's about that time. We're going to try to do uh, money stuff uh, right now at about 13 minutes after the hour. Dow Jones Industrial fell two and a quarter percent. That's like 750 points today. To close at 33,202, NASDAQ was also down about 3% at 10,810. U.S. 10-year Treasury yield was down to 3.448. Crude oil up 76.29. Hold on. Okay. Uh, moving on over to precious metals. Gold at 1787.80. Uh, silver, and that fell. Uh, Silver is up 23.38, platinum up 1,025.80, and palladium uh, is up at 18.45. Hold on, uh, what's crude oil? I'm not seeing it on my list. Oh no. Do, 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 hold on. Okay, here we are. Uh, crude oil, Bitcoin is down. Uh, 17383 actually held steady at 17383 crude oil is at 76.31 uh, a barrel so went up slightly uh, from yesterday so I tell you what some uh, prices of gasoline are coming down uh, in uh, New Jersey uh, and certain parts of New York were looking at close to three dollars a gallon but I was in one area. 
today, and it was five sixty nine a gallon. Ga- uh, gallon. What's causing all this financial strife here? All right, retail sales, manufacturing declines. Point decline, and I have some commentary here too. Point to slowing economy. Shoppers spent less in November on holiday related items and autos as Fed continued raising rates. Well, who wants to pay all those high interest rates for a car? All right. I mean, this should be uh, obvious here. All right. And here we go. Uh, recession fears mounted Thursday, pushing benchmark index indexes sharply lower. Weak retail sales data increased estimates from the Fed the day before how, of how high interest rates may have to go and central bank posturing. In Europe, all Fed investor unease. Down just real fell 764. And we just all mentioned that. Central banks in the UK and Eurozone and Switzerland also raised rates, highlighting the risks to a late fall rally that has taken the Dow, for instance, up 16% from its recent low. So, as right, we, we go over, it's one of our favorite topics here, Saul Alinsky's rule, Rules for Radicals. And it's how you institute for review social change out there. And it could be changed for more. Uh, no, Alinsky wrote it for uh, political activism and things of that nature. But it, they also apply to inside organizations. Uh, and one of the rules on there, I forget which number it is, is keep the pressure on. Keep the pressure on. How is that relevant to some of our stuff here? Have you noticed that since probably 2000, right, and a lot of our listeners, our new listeners, uh, uh, probably a couple of college students uh, that I had training with this week, they they weren't alive back in 2000, right? Uh, What happened in 2000, November? You had the Florida recount for the presidential election. That was a crisis. Then, in September 2001, September 11th, you had another crisis. You had the Bush administration. that They came in under crisis. And it seems like, and it doesn't, remember, we've had Republican, we've had Democrat, we've had another Republican, now we're another Democrat uh, in the White House. The uh, Senate and House of Representatives have gone back and forth, back and forth a couple of times between parties uh, and everything else here. So this is a really apolitical, but if you notice, we're in a constant state of panic. Keeping the pressure on. We're in a constant state of everybody being a nervous wreck. We're in a constant state. Now, if it weren't the terrorists were going to get us, then it was certain groups from the Middle East are going to get us. Then it was going to be uh, uh, one group, another group's going to get us, and then another group's going to get us, and then another group, and then, oh, the President Trump's people are going to get us. Oh, no, the Biden people and the Hillary people are going to get us. Everyone, and this, and it's all mayhem, and it keeps us under all this stress and all this pressure and everything else. One thing that I've always noticed is that when you're putting people under pressure, constant pressure again and again and again and again and a constant pressure what happens they become a lot easier to control don't they they come uh, uh, you know uh, they become easy to control easy to manipulate easy to extract money out of easy to do everything when everything's urgent everything has to be now everything has to be now all this stuff on and on and on this is not good my friends people try to you know they bust my chops a lot i am a trekkie admittedly I like Star Trek. Why? Always have. Uh, From my first episode I saw back in September 1973, which was the animated series. 
I believe it was the episode The Joker until today, right? It's on constantly. Gave me a lot of hope. It gave a lot of people a lot of hope over the years. Well, one of the characters I latched on to was Mr. Spock, played by Leonard Nimoy. And what and he was a member of the race, the extraterrestrial race called the Vulcans, and he was they followed logic and reason. Tried to purge emotion out of them. Now we're human beings, we're not gonna do that. We're filled with emotion. And then later on in the through all the series you can see where the Vulcans did have emotion, but they held it in check and they were Right, and things of that nature. You had different writers, different incarnations. The current two players of uh, Spock are uh, Ethan Peck, who was Gregory Peck's grandson, the famous actor. And then you had Zach Quinto in the J.J. Abrams Trek in the movies. But it's always logic, reason. What I was explaining, coaching, to uh, my class this week. Right? I did an OSHA outreach training class. I did a first aid CPR class with the same group of people. Right? Not on the same day because that's against the rules. But what we've always tried to do is teach logic. We teach people, you got, no, and I teach people, look, what I, the biggest mistake I ever made was letting myself be manipulated by my emotions with high drama. And just before I went on the air here with uh, the podcast, right, I had a milestone birthday back in 2020. And I said, you know, how many more years do I have? So I'm going to make a concerted effort. And it's been a concerted effort since my mid-30s, actually my mid-20s, to try to purge emotionalism, snap decisions, Try to get myself out from being all this emotion, you know, and everything else, and being easily manipulated. I'll be honest with you. Some days I struggle with it still. And when I see, and when I'm working with other workplaces, whether it's uh, where I'm doing accident investigation, I'm managing day to day safety operations. I come in for a training class. I do whatever, which we always do that, or I have one of my people do that all of the problems stem it seems a good chunk of them from letting their emotions run wild letting people letting themselves be manipulated that's and what happened was one of the reasons why we do this we do what we do on safety wars uh now safety wars live before the podcast and before that and still occasionally the podcast is we try to coach people how to not be manipulated very, it's a very important skill. We can see now, right? Constant financial, uh, constant financial pressure with the ups and the downs of the stock market and inflation and gas prices and this. And they're all real problems. Don't get me wrong, but the thing is, is how are we going to get ourselves out of this? Routine is one way. Making sound financial decisions and business decisions is another way. And all that stuff. So you need to, you know, get rid of this emotion. I'm rambling on and on. And that brings us to our next story here. And this is from the New York Times. Luddite teens don't want your likes. When the only thing better than a flip phone is no phone at all. All right. So apparently there's a group of teens that got together in Brooklyn, New York. And they formed a club, the Luddite Club, a high school group that promotes a lifestyle of self-liberation from social media and technology. And they meet at Prospect Park. They get no. Uh, they hide away their iPhones, or in the case of most of our members, their flip phones, which no, and they're anti-technology. The Luddites. Uh, now, if you look back, uh, Luddites. Who are the Luddites? I believe that they were in ancient Israel, right? Uh, or were they? Blah, blah, blah. No, I'm completely wrong on this. 
Do do do. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Give me a second. I'm gonna look it up. A Luddite is, oh, okay, I did not know that. I thought they were a biblical thing. All right. It's a member of, of the bands of English workers who destroyed machinery, especially in cotton and wood mill, woolen mills, that they believed was threatening their jobs. All right. So there were the textile workers in the 19th century, the Luddites. The group is believed, I'm reading off of Wikipedia, so God knows how accurate it is. The group is believed to have taken its name from Ned Ludd, a legendary weaver supposedly from Leicester. Or Leicester. I guess that's how you pronounce it. So here we have a group of children, and as this is biblical, from the, mouth, from the mouths of babes, right? That has this, well, we're going to get rid of uh, technology, right? We're going to deal with that. I find myself jealous in a way, right? Where they're getting away from technology. It's all in uh, ingrained in us. I don't know. It's uh, now one of the uh, uh, teens, Lola, a young lady named Lola. When I got my flip phone, things instantly changed. I started using my brain. This is a quote. It made me observe myself as a person. I've been trying to write a book too it's like 12 pages now and uh, you know this, I don't know this is actually I think it's a good thing with this unplugging now technology has a lot of advantages let's not throw the baby away with the bathwater. medical advances we're communicating right now because of technology I wouldn't have a, uh, this nightly broadcast if that which is literally and I have to thank Jay Allen again. This is li literally a dream come true for me, this whole thing, this opportunity. Uh, sometimes I hit it out of the park. Sometimes I don't. Uh, that's just the way life is. But this is, you know, the best thing that, uh, the, one of the best things that have ever happened to me uh, was this. And I want to thank everybody here. So let me stop rambling. I'm going to take a little break here. And we'll come back to you after the break. In the professional safety community, communication and planning are just a few keys to your program's success. The question many practitioners have is, where do I start? Dr. Jay Allen, the creator of the Safety FM platform and host of the Rated R Safety Show, has built a global foundation to help you along the way. Go to safetyfm.com and listen to some of the industry's best and most involved professionals, including Blaine Hoffman with The Safety Pro, Sam Goodman with The Hop Nerd, Sheldon Primus with The Safety Consultant, Jim Pozell with Safety Wars, Emily Elrod with Unapologetically Bold, and many others. As individuals, we can do great things, but as a team, we become amazing. Dial into safetyfm.com today and surround yourself with a powerful force of knowledge and support. OSHA recordables, first aid cases, catastrophic losses. You want answers? So do I. This is Jim Polzel with Safety Wars. Okay, we are back. So we're going to go into change uh, gears a little bit here. Uh, drought emergency declared for all of Southern California yesterday. As uh, California rate faces the prospect of the fourth consecutive dry year, officials with the Metropolitan Water District of Southern California have declared a regional drought emergency and called on water agencies to immediately reduce their use of all su report imported supplies. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Okay, well, this is what it is. You talk about poor planning. And I still don't get this. All right, and people say, well, it's money, it costs a lot. Well, how much is a uh, drought costing you? California has what is called, if you've ever been there, you know, if I, if I remember right, they have this. It's called 
beaches. And it, the beaches connect to the Pacific Ocean, the largest ocean. And I do, yeah, I do understand that it's smaller than it was because we now have the Southern Ocean and everything else. And no, my son comes to me, hey, Daddy, did you know that there's a Southern Ocean? I said, no, I did not. Give me the book. And I was short. Sure enough, a couple years back, whatever organization regulates oceans came up with the Southern Ocean. But anyway, why don't we have desalinization plants over there? If, you know, if only, okay, costs a lot of money to desalinize, Water. Okay, great. Well, we have peak use electrical plants all over the country. We have peak use sewage treatment plants all over the country, where especially in uh, cities like New York, where uh, they have peak use sewage plants because New York has a combined sewer, sanitary, and uh, uh, storm sewers. All right, they have all of this stuff. Why don't we have a peak use or a drought uh, emergency water treatment plants or desalinization so we don't have to go through this crap? Oh, costs too much. Oh, really? How much is a drought going to cost you? You guys, right, we talk about climate change. Let's talk about climate change here. Right? Climate's always changing. We know that. Did you know, and this is a scientific fact, all right, this is an absolute scientific fact. During the last ice age, like 22,000 years ago, the shoreline in New Jersey shore was 90 to 120 miles out there. And right where I'm sitting right now in beautiful Clarkstown, New York, we had like a mile of thick of ice. And without, without uh, uh, industrialization, even though there are some people who think that, well, you know, the ancient Babylonians and everything and the... Uh, people who used uh, Sanskrit and cuneiform back in the days and the ancient Sumerians, yeah, they were industrialized. Okay, great. You want, you want to believe that? Believe that there's some evidence for it? Obviously. Okay, great. Could be interpreted. I don't know. I'm not an anthropologist or a historian here. All right. Without the benefit of or consequences of industrialization, we came out of the Ice Age, right? We had smaller ice ages and warming periods and a medieval warming period, all this stuff, all right? Well, let's get this straight. Climate's changing. It's changing today. Uh, uh, the sea levels have been rising since the end of the life at last uh, ice age. Glaciers have been receding, right? Uh, our North American glacier is somewhere way up in Canada, right? And the Ar Alaska. In Europe, it's the same thing. That, okay, great. It changes. All right, we get it. So did it ever occur to anybody that, like, for like 200 years, California wasn't as arid as it is today for the last, it seems like they've been in constant drought for, drought for 15 years. How about the land use patterns in California? You go out there, and I'm not impugning California, and I know I'm in uh, drive time. Guess what? The land use patterns, they use a lot of water. And they did for years. And now they've cut back. They're changing things. Things are getting better, better regulated, better land use. Okay, great. I get it all. And things are getting better. Overall, things are getting better. I'm not a doom and gloomer. Why isn't, the, why aren't desalinization plants, why aren't they out there doing that? Because this is, this is idiotic here at this point, my opinion. All right. On there, maybe Gavin Newsom could go out and uh, you know do this. I mean, think about it. Just building the things, you're going to have permitting issues. That's going to cost money. That's benefit to the state. The permits, doing it right. You're going to have, need a workforce to build these things and to connect them to the current water grid that we have, the water system. That's more public works. That's good, right? You can have like 20 or 30 years of public works here, building these plants and designing them and everything else. All the jobs and everything. Now, if you need them, now you got it. I, I mean, and uh, now let's talk about your own disaster planning. What are you going to do with a water shortage? This is a real thing, guys. This is a real thing. 
I, I was talking to someone who lives in Freedom, New Jersey, which is up in northern New Jersey last week, and they're homestead, they're homesteaders. You're going to think homesteaders. Yeah, they're like homesteaders, off-the-grid people, that living in northern New Jersey, Freedom, New Jersey. Who would have thought? Sussex County is a rural area. Very rural area. I'm very familiar with it. And what, what are one of the things he's planning for is water. Why? Because they've had water issues up there historically with sewage treatment, with, not sewage, but water treatment plants going down. I remember at my parents' house, we had a blackout in the middle of the summer during a family picnic. Um, sorry, it wasn't a family, it was a church picnic, right, up there. And it was a nightmare. But we had things already in place because guess what? The house is on a lake, so we had access to water. We had bottled water. If it was going to go on for more than a couple of days, we had plenty, uh, no, for flushing the toilets and things of that nature, we had water. Uh, we had drinking water. All this stuff goes in there. We had a plan in place. What's your plan? You're in California. You're in a drought area. What's your plan for conserving water? What's, you know, if you're on your own well water, what's your plan? Uh, again, this is all part of disaster prep, which we discussed Every September, you can go back and look at our programs. Far-left extremists arrested for domestic terrorism at a planned police training center in Atlanta. Five far-left extremists were arrested Tuesday amid a demonstration against the site of a planned public safety training center that the protesters have dubbed Cop City. The proposed training center will be built on 85 acres in a forested area of DeKalb County that previously housed a prison farm. The demonstrators have camped out in the forest trees in a show of protests against the $90 million project. The GBI, Georgia Bureau of Investigation, and other state and local police agencies are on site Tuesday working to remove barricades or blocking several of the entrances to the center when the arrests were made. Yesterday, several people threw rocks at police cars. Unbelievable, right? For that. Doesn't hit the national news. Okay, we're going to cover a couple of stories on China here. Uh, Chinese student arrested after threatening democracy activists in Boston. The U.S. prosecutor said on Wednesday, a Chinese citizen attending a, uh, I'm, not gonna, I'm gonna leave out the college, in Boston stalked and harassed an activist who posted flyers supporting democracy in China and also reported the person's activities through Chinese law enforcement. This was a follow-up from a couple of months ago. We did a story where uh, Chinese uh, law enforcement do, has outposts in the United States, but the thing is, United States has outposts all over the country, all over the world, for you know, law enforcement. I mean, we have Interpol in this country, so this is not a weird. Uh, this is also not a weird uh, uh, situation to have. You no know, other countries' law enforcement uh, agencies here and us go elsewhere. Federal prosecutors in Boston said that uh, the uh, alleged person did so after threatening through the online messaging service WeChat to chop off the activist's hands and demanding the person stop posting reactionary posters near the campus. So uh, the guy was arrested and released and had lawyered up. Probably a good idea to lawyer up. Outraged parents... Uh, Oh, this is not China, but here you go. Average parents demand a county school, uh, a Luton County School Board members, all of the members, resigned after the superintendent is indicted. During a school board meeting in Luton County, Virginia, Tuesday night, average parents demanded that members of the board resign for failing to hold the superintendent accountable for mishandling sexual assault cases involving high school students. Last week, the school board fired the person in a closed-door meeting after a special grand jury released the report blaming the district for failing to intervene after a male student sexually assaulted a female student in a girl's bathroom, allowing the perpetrator to assault another victim at a second school in the district. Uh, the document, the grand jury document declared that Loon County Public Schools failed at every juncture in its treatment of offenses perpetrated by the same male student who identifies as gender fluid. The male student was found guilty by a juvenile judge of doing something very bad, 
we'll leave it at it. It has the details here, but I'm not going to mention what they are. Right? Uh, and did some other horrible things to a second victim in a classroom. Unbelievable. You know, uh, again, right? Here's a story about China. Biden blacklists China's YMTC crackdowns on AI chip sector. The Biden administration on Thursday added Chinese memory chip maker YMTC and 21 major Chinese players in the artificial intelligence chip industry to trade a, to a trade back blacklist running its crackdown on China's chip industry. So, I know a little bit about this because I ask questions. Uh, in upstate New York, there's a uh, chip manufacturer. I'm not going to mention where it is. And uh, I was talking to some people who work there uh, as contractors. And they don't. I'm sure they didn't release anything that they weren't supposed to. But uh, as we found out during the pandemic, we have a chip for- shortage. We weren't able to get certain. No, we still can't get certain electronic stuff out there how long does it take to get a chip approved do you think about five years to get a chip manufacturer approved in this country with all of the uh ngo and uh i think the very limited government uh standards there are industry standards for chips in here and uh basically uh the uh uh uh, reportedly, the Chinese military is uh, uh, remo- is looking to remove uh, barriers between with civilian sectors of their economy, and it's a uh, they're having these companies in here. They're security risks for the United States and their chip manufacturers, since we have so few chip manufacturers here. Number one and number two, uh, we get a lot of our chips from Taiwan. Right, and we know that we've been having Taiwan issues, but they haven't hit the news lately. And a related story: Chinese firms are increasingly focused on boosting the production of older generation semiconductors. Uh, experts in the United States and the Western world are concerned that the development poses a significant international security threat. Older generation chips are still critical for various technologies. For instance. 28 nanometer chips have been in use since 2011 in weapon systems and computers. So they are looking at uh, not now. China wants to expand, but everyone says, "Well, that's not, may not be such a good idea." So that's another one. Report details: unprecedented evil of China's state-sanctioned forced organ harvesting. This is not anything new. I've been reading about this for about 25 years. A Doctors Against Forced Organ Harvesting released a report this week uh, uh, talking about the practice of harvesting organs from living prisoners of conscience into the spotlight on International Human Rights Day 2022 observed this week on December 10th. Quote, the unprecedented evil, the state-sanctioned large-scale killing of vulnerable prisoners of conscience committed by a totalitarian regime is not only a crime against humanity, but also a threat to humankind, states the report titled Forced Organ Harvesting from Living People in China. The 56-page report covers the span of two decades detailing the origin and investigations of the subject. Right, so... Again, we're covering China today, it seems. But, uh, again, organ harvesting. Things going on in this world. By the way, the uh, uh, not the only place that is doing this. Right? China's not the only place. There are other countries doing this. And our country, for years, I don't know if it still goes, I don't know how popular it was, we had people selling kidneys. Right? And selling other organs to compatible donors. So don't think that this only happens there. And we do things here. I'm not justifying it, saying, you know, using a moral equivalence argument, but this goes on all over. Uh, China reports new Omicron variants spreading in nine provinces. The populace is fearful and mortuary is overwhelmed. The COVID 19 pay. Uh, 
cases have been increasing in China since the ruling communist regime eased zero COVID restrictions on December 7th. December 7th. So basically, they cannot keep up with recording cases and uh, or managing this. They're on overload. I think that they were probably uh, realized that this would happen, and they didn't have the resources to uh, manage this. This is why they had the zero policies in there. Right? Something to think about. Right? Externalities, unintended consequences. Things of that nature. We're going to take a brief break. I'm going to get something. i got to grab something to drink, and we'll be right back at you. You are listening to Safety Wars. Tomorrow's Safety Today. Is your safety training old, stale, and hackneyed? Is your safety trainer still preaching a warped version of behavior-based safety? How about safety training that actually addresses your hazards in your workplaces and is not standardized baloney from 25 years ago? Contact the Safety Wars team at safetywars.com or call Jim Polzel at 845-269-5772. Remember, if you're receiving this message, you are the solution to unsafe workplaces. OSHA recordables, first aid cases, catastrophic losses. You want answers? So do I. This is Jim Polzel with Safety Wars. Safety Wars is streaming now. SafetyFM.com And we are getting coming back. I hope I didn't get too swampy there, but all, all this stuff is happening here. And... And doesn't seem to be covered in normal news, right? We have to go out and we have to search for it. And with all the stuff going on with China, Ukraine, uh, all the other turmoil and everything else all over the world, we forget about these things that go on. Something else that we forget about. Uh, so this week I did uh, safety training at a university in northern New Jersey, and uh, one of the classes, I, I did an outreach class, and I did a uh, first aid CPR class, right, for the students. It was the same group of students. But anyway, each, uh, so what's the advantage of having a safety professional do, do your first aid CPR training? What I try to do and I either use it with supplemental information or as part of the class where it's appropriate. I talk about what the OSHA requirements are for injury and illness reporting because this is what happens. And I, and I stress how important it is to have an uh, accident management program, back-to-work program. You know, they go by all different types of names and they have all different types of uh, variations. And there's a lot of options. So I wanted to go over the 29 CFR 1904 standards, uh, specifically recording and reporting of ocu- recording and reporting of occupational illnesses and diseases. This is subpart C, right? So what's required? We are in 1904.4 subparagraph A. Basic requirement: each employer is required to keep records of fatalities, injuries, and illnesses and must record each fatality, injury, and illness that is work-related, is a new case, and meets one of the following uh, 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 reporting criteria laid out in 1904.7. And then, you know, I'm not going to go and keep on reading all these verbatim, but let's see here. What's relevant? You must consider an injury or illness, and I'm in 1904.7a, Basic requirement, you must consider an injury or illness to meet the general recording criteria and therefore be recordable. If it results in any of the following, death, days away from work, restricted duty, or transfer to another job, medical treatment beyond first aid, or loss of consciousness. You must also consider a case to meet the general recording criteria if it involves a significant injury or illness diagnosed by a physician or other licensed healthcare professional, even if it does not result in death, days away from work, restrictive work, or job transfer, medical treatment beyond first aid, or loss of consciousness. So that's a lot. So there's a lot more to 
responding to an emergency or anything else than just going out and first aid CPR or in workers' comp. This is where a lot of companies and very large companies who you would be surprised about fail at this. They are companies that we've heard of, right, where they fail in this general recording criteria. Uh, and I'm not going to mention names, but you could go look that up on the establishment search and some of the other areas. One of them is a warehouse company, and the other one's a furniture manufacturer that got whacked for this. Uh, but anyway, they're... Uh, but it, Basically, why do companies not report this stuff and not keep it on an OSHA 300 lock or 301? Why is that? Well, they don't want their insurance uh, rates to go up, number one. Number two, uh, they don't want uh, it on a record somewhere. And remember, this all gets reported, right, uh, on some uh, level, right, either electronically or on paper or if someone comes to the uh, job site or like a citation or if you're bidding on work. All of this comes out, right? They don't, so companies often take their person out the back gate and take them and have them do it, pull an insurance fraud thing and have their own health care insurance take care of it, or uh, they pay for it out of pocket, trying to cover things up. So how do I decide if a case meets one or more of the general recording criteria? This is 1904.7. If there's a death, if there's a day away from work, restricted work or transfer to another job, medical treatment beyond first aid, loss of consciousness... A significant injury or illness diagnosed by a physician. How do I record a work-related uh, uh, injury or illness that results in an employee's death on the OSHA 300 log? All right. And also, you must report any work-related fatality to OSHA at 1-800-321-OSHA or on their website. Probably the phone number is probably the way you want to go. Within eight hours. Okay. If it isn't done, guess what? That's a citation there. Right. Uh, that's it within eight hours of the death. All right. How do I record a work-related injury or illness that results in days away from work? Again, on the 300 log, right? And there are ways, no, I mean, regulation tells you how to count. How do I count the day of the injury? Okay. Let's go on. How do I record an injury or illness when a physician or other uh, healthcare professional re recommends that the workers stay at home if the employee comes uh, to work anyway? Guess what? You got to do that. You got to be a record. How do I handle a case when a physician or other licensed healthcare professional recommends that the worker return to work but the, work, but the employee stays at home anyway. In this situation, you must end the count of days away from work on the date the physician or other licensed healthcare professional recommends that the right returns to work. All right. Uh, and then it goes on and on and on and on. How to count and everything else. Okay, and it goes on and on. We go into a little bit. We're uh, going to be closing out the uh, program very shortly here. What is the def definition of medical treatment? Medical treatment means the management and care of a patient to combat disease or disorder, right? That means a visit to uh, the medical treatment does not include a doctor's visit, a diagnostic procedure, or first aid. What is first aid? Using, and that's a lot of stuff, tetanus shot is first aid. Non-prescription medication, non-prescription strength. Cleaning or flushing or soaking wounds. Using a wound covering, like a Band-Aid. Right? Uh, using hot or cold therapy. Non-rigid means of support. Temporary mobilization devices, like a splint. Drilling of a fingernail and toenail to relieve pressure. Using an eye patch. Removing foreign bodies from the eye. Using only irrigation or a cotton swab. Right? Removing splinters or foreign material from areas other than the eye by irrigation, tweezers, cotton, or other simple means. Using finger guards. Using massages. Drinking fluids for relief of heat stress. Right? That is non-recordable. 
minute that you take them to the hospital, they put an IV in them, that's recordable. All right. And it goes on. You could go look it up in 1904, uh, everything. You have to record Neil Sick and Sharp's injuries. All right. Uh, there's stuff for recording criteria for uh, hearing, occupational hearing loss. And it goes on and on. So, here you go, another big one. You should go and read. 1904.39. The basic requirements of reporting, right? So, someone dies within eight hours, they got to report it to OSHA. Within 24 hours? If there is an inpatient hospitalization of one or more employees, that's a relatively new requirement. Uh, or an employee's amputation or an employee's loss of an eye as a result of work-related incident, right? You must report the inpatient hospitalization and everything to OSHA, right? You must report the fatality and pay blah, blah, blah by one of the following methods, a telephone or in-person visit to an OSHA area office, that is nearest to the site of the incident. By telephone, 1-800-321-OSHA. Make sure you have a witness there that says you did it and you take notes and everything else that goes into that. By electronic submission using the reporting uh, application on OSHA's website. I always recommend either in-person or a phone call with that because, what hap- because this is what happens. Companies often do not call until 7 hours and 45 minutes or get there. And what if the office is closed? Now you got a problem. What's my whole point on here? You have people going to, uh, you're sending out your employees for first aid CPR training. Guess what? There's a lot more that goes into that. That's not in the standard first aid CPR course, especially for the workplace. Either you're going to have to supplement that or make it part of the first aid CPR course. If you hire us, we always discuss this for the workplace, right? I discuss it when I'm doing it for like a college or university or something because usually those are the future managers that have to know a little bit something about that and it doesn't take long. Uh, with this stuff. If you have PowerPoint uh, slides and everything else, that's something you could do. So that's what you do. Just don't hire anybody. Don't send anyone just anywhere for things. Uh, give us a call if you want first aid CPR training. We do travel. We'll go wherever, wherever you have the training class. Our number is 845-269-5772 or you can give us a uh, uh, contact us at jim at safetywords.com and we're going to conclude today and we'll have uh i'll be see i might not be here tomorrow so i have some family issues going on tomorrow uh let me wish my mother a happy birthday early uh tomorrow uh, for tomorrow The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the host and its guest and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the company. Examples of analysis discussed within this podcast are only examples. They should not be utilized in the real world as the only solution available as they are based only on very limited and dated open source information. Assumptions made within this analysis are not reflective of the position of the company. No part of this podcast may be reproduced, stored in a retrieval system, or transmitted in any form or by any means, mechanical, electronic, recording, or otherwise, without prior written permission of the creator of the podcast, Jay Allen.